0: Hey guys, Bill here. We're going to be talking with Dominique Foxworth today about the Dak Prescott and Derrick Henry situations, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense from yesterday's big news. First, I wanted to let you know about another podcast. Heavy Metals Inside the Corolli Gymnastics Empire is a groundbreaking seven-part podcast series that takes listeners on a deep dive into the lives and influence of Bella and Marta Corolli, the most successful and controversial coaches in USA Gymnastics history. Subscribe now The 30 for 30 feed on Apple Podcasts, and the whole season is available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight S A V E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8-S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, on to the show with Dominique, joining me as promised now on the show, I would say one of our most requested guests, a regular contributor to the Bill Barnwell show, a frequent contributor to ESPN First Take. I I would say, are you a senior uh, correspondent now on First Take? <laughs> um,
1: no, I'm still a junior taker. I'm working my way up to take I think I'm I, I'm at senior status on Get Up now, I believe. But it's also just possibility that no one else wants to work this, this summer, and I'm the only one that's available. So when we start playing sports again, I will be back to my day job of writing columns that no one reads.
0: The man who will say yes when others will say <laughs> yeah, <that's>, it's <laughs> it's too hot or I'm not interested. Uh, yep.
1: Or I don't we don't have anything to talk about. Why would I come on TV? I'll be like, hey, I could come talk about nothing for a couple hours. Don't worry.
0: The man who will fill space and time with his brilliance. My friend ESPN's Dominique Foxworth. Dominique, how are you? I'm good, buddy. Very excited to have you on today. Because we're going to talk about two topics you have talked quite a bit about, if I'm not mistaken, things we have discussed not only uh, in our various espn platforms but also off the air and i think you have very specific viewpoints on both of these topics one of them is very similar to mine and i'm going to maybe have to play devil's advocate a bit for it the other one i think we are very or not opposed but i think we have different different views on the same idea even if we kind of both acknowledge that the same thing is true so right. we're going to talk about both of them today Two big stories coming out of the franchise tag deadline on Wednesday. Derek Henry signing an extension at the last second with the Tennessee Titans. We're going to talk about that in a bit. But first, the biggest story of the day is that Dak Prescott did not ink an extension with the Dallas Cowboys. The two sides did not come to terms. Dak will now play out his franchise tag, which is somewhere around $31.4 million next year. And then we'll get to do this all over again next spring. So, Dominique, let's start with this. Were you surprised that these two sides didn't find common ground and get an extension done?
1: I was absolutely surprised. And I don't know who would enter this and not be surprised that we got to this point because all the research has been out there. Uh, We've been talking about it for many months now. This is not something that happens to franchise quarterbacks and, the two examples that people point to of in franchise are quarterbacks who ended up in another franchise not too long after or signed a deal before actually playing on a franchise tag. So I'm shocked that this happened. We have a young quarterback who's outperformed his contract and is um, set to be your quarterback for at least a five to 10 more years. Uh, to not get that deal done makes no sense.
0: So what do you attribute it to? Do you think it's that? Dak's expectations were unrealistic. Do you think that the Cowboys don't value Dak the way that he should be valued? Do you think this is just a, you know, a, a, a play for Prescott to just get to the free agent market? I mean, what, what do you sort of attribute the biggest cause of this, you know, uh, disagreement to?
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like Cowboy mismanagement to me. Uh, you don't let it get to this point. Hopefully, if you have a player in a situation and Dak was a third-round pick, so had they attempted to negotiate this deal early on in the process, I'm sure it would be much easier to get done. Forcing it to this point, I think, puts too much pressure on either side to take a deal that they may not feel comfortable with. But it seems to me that uh, when you talk about negotiations or you read any negotiations books or anything, they always talk about the alternative. And that's part of where your leverage comes from. It's like, what, what's your alternative? The Cowboys alternative is to, to franchise Dak, his alternative to getting a long-term deal done, and their long-term alternative is to go looking for the hardest thing to find in professional sports is a franchise quarterback. Dak's alternative is to sign this franchise deal in the short term, but his long-term alternative is to become a free agent, (laughs) the most coveted thing in um, professional sports. So it seems to me that they let it get to a point where Dak had so much leverage and they weren't, um willing to capitulate to his his desires given how much leverage he had so it just feels like uh, mismanagement i don't know how else to to phrase this is you mismanaged the most important position uh, and the most important player on your team
0: do you think that sort of most quarterbacks in that situation would have basically you know given in and taken whatever the best offer the Cowboys were making uh, in advance of the deadline um
1: I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the quarterback. It depends on the agent. But in my view, there's really no reason to take anything less than you feel like you deserve or less than you're willing to to take. Like, there's no reason to take a step back in this situation for Dak because what are the risks? The risk is um, you get injured. I'm sure he has insurance. Uh, So that risk is gone. The risk is you play poorly okay, you play, you have a terrible season. What are they going to not franchise you next year or not offer you a long-term deal or cut you? Fine, you'll hit free agency with three, or excuse me, with four great years of quarterback play and one bad year, you'll be all right, okay? Say, say they franchise you again, and worst case scenario, you have another bad season. You have two bad seasons in a row. You've made $70 million, and you're a free agent in a league that still wants quarterbacks. Somebody is going to pay you. So it really, to me, And that's worst-case scenario. What's likely to happen is Dak will have another good season because we haven't seen Dak have a bad season. So uh, it doesn't stand to reason, if you, like, break it down from a logical perspective, for Dak to have taken anything less than he wanted. The Cowboys probably should have gotten this deal done uh, last year, a long time ago, and maybe we'd be in a different situation. But I guess it's harder because he wasn't a first-round pick and it doesn't give them that fifth-year option, which is – Kind of the uh, a deciding mechanism for a lot of teams i think well, when, when it comes to young quarterbacks
0: i think that's the question right i mean the cowboys i would hope know everything that you just said and they're not you know <laughs> you they're, they're, hope they're not idiots you know I, they're not i'm not saying they get everything right but like they can't anticipate how difficult it's going to be with each passing year to sign Zach. i mean last year it was oh we're gonna have to franchise him and then he's only going to be two years away from unrestricted free agency now this year it's we're going to franchise him again and he's only going to be one year away from unrestricted free agency next year not only would it be the last chance they would have to franchise him realistically before he would become an unrestricted free agent after the season but furthermore and i read about this a little bit in my column and talked about it a little bit with uh our friend i think still hopefully uh mina kimes on espn daily yesterday or sorry today um you know the the cap is probably going to go down next year. It could go down to you know, maybe as far as $160 million, $150 million. I mean, there are teams preparing for a you know a sub one hundred sixty scenario next year. And if that happens, Dak's contract doesn't go down. I and mean, the Cowboys Cowboys right. cap is tied to uh the the finances of the league. Dak right. Prescott's number for next year is only tied to what he makes this year, and it's a twenty percent raise whether he's franchise tag, whether he's transition tagged, and the Cowboys if there is a 160 million dollar cap next year, that 37.7 uh, million dollar figure is closer to 50 million dollars once you account for the cap reduction. So now, are the Cowboys going to be stuck with giving Dak the exact sort of contract he wants next year because they don't have the financial flexibility to, you know, give to, to, to franchise him next year at 37.7 if the cap goes down? I mean, it's you know, it, it feels like they sh- they should be in a situation where. Every possible scenario for them pretty much is worse. I mean, all you, you laid it out pretty well in that. Right. You know, Like you laid out the worst case scenario. So many of the scenarios for what happens with Dak this year end up with the Cowboys in a worse negotiating position than they are right now. So uh, unless, you know, and we haven't heard anything about Dak's demands being unreasonable. I mean, he, he, he right. wanted a, sh- a shorter contract. So why do you think the Cowboys, knowing what's coming and knowing what's likely to be coming, why didn't they give in?
1: I have no clue. And to your <laughs> point about the, the, the cap next year, I think that that's a, a, a good point and it's not something that they could have anticipated. So I'm but know less now. judgmental. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm less judgmental about that than, um, than the other stuff, but you're right. They've known it since March <laughs> at least, uh, or I mean, I don't know, April or June, somewhere around that. This was, quite clear to them but i do think given how much teams like the franchise tag and given that jerry jones is one of the more powerful um people in professional football and given how this will impact his roster specifically i I think there's also a possibility that they could use money to smooth the cap in a way so that this is not a problem so i mean i think that 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 um possibility is out there to extend some hope to whatever whatever cowboys fans may be listening but why they ended up in a situation, I, I, I don't know. Like it's, I think it, I'd be lying if, if uh, race isn't something that had popped into my mind because it mm-hmm. feels like a situation where the quarterback, the black quarterback is, even in a day and age where it feels like all the best quarterbacks in the league are black, it mm-hmm. still feels like there is some different expectations of the black quarterback, even Dak Prescott. Who um, is the most quarterbacky of quarterbacks out there, and that he says all the right things and does all the right things, and uh, and and seems to play the game the way that uh, a lot of kind of football purists would want to see their quarterback play? But I, I don't know. I, I, I have no particular evidence to point to other than. I guess seems fishy and this never happens to any other quarterbacks except for this one, but I don't know how else to explain it. And if we're willing to accept that the Cowboys aren't stupid, which it seems like you, you uh, (laughs) propagated that theory, which I'm not sure is a good one. Then I guess I'm the guest. So I'm supposed to answer the questions, but I'll put it back on you. Why, why if you don't, if I can't answer why you tell
0: me why. Here's my theory. Same thing with Kirk Cousins, who obviously is not a black quarterback, is the whitest of white quarterbacks, I think it's fair to say. But, um, you know, Kirk Cousins was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken, by Washington uh, the year they drafted RG3. He was never supposed to be the guy. He was the backup to the guy. He was the, you know, he was the guy who filled in if RG3 went south, which, of course, because of injuries did happen. With Dak Prescott, we know it's a similar sort of thing. We know that Dak Prescott was not their first choice or second choice in the draft. He was their third choice. They wanted to draft Paxton Lynch in the first round. They got um, sniped by Denver. They wanted to draft Connor Cook. They got sniped by Oakland. Obviously, not the best taste in quarterbacks given how those two players worked out, but... You know, I mean, I don't want to disparage. It's not Paxton Lynch's fault. I mean, just, you know, they they were interested in those guys. Those guys have not turned out to be successful pros. That's just the reality of the situation. Dak has turned out to be an extremely talented quarterback, but I wonder if there's still this thing in in the Jones family's collective head that, you know, they just see Dak as a a placeholder. They just see Dak as a mid-round pick who was never the guy they really wanted. And because of that, you know until he goes above and beyond and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is one of the five best quarterbacks in football they're not comfortable paying him that much and i think that's one side of it and then i know i want to hear what you think about the other side of it i don't think this is their plan i do think they would rather get a Dak deal done than not get a Dak deal done what? but they could also be sitting here saying hey we have ezekiel elliott we have amari cooper We have Michael Gallup. We just drafted CeeDee Lamb. We just signed our tight end, Blake Jarwin, to an extension. We have maybe the best left tackle in football in Tyron Smith. We have maybe the best guard in football in Zach Martin. We have an incredible offensive infrastructure, and we don't have to pay a quarterback. We're comfortable being flexible and saying, hey, if Dak signs a deal on our terms, great. We can make it work. If he doesn't, we're pretty confident. I'm not saying they should be, but I'm saying... They might think they're pretty confident they can go out and get another quarterback who is not as expensive, maybe another mid-round pick, maybe a first-round pick or lead first-round pick. We can plug that guy in, and we're going to be just as effective on offense. I'm not saying that they are smart to think that way, but I'm saying that it is at least a possibility to me, given how they've constructed their offense, given how much they've invested at receiver over the past couple years, that maybe that's their plan. Um, I would respect
1: that more than anything else. And like back to the Kirk Cousins point, off the top of this is Kirk Cousins was Kirk Cousins was not the player that Dak Prescott was. I agree. Like, sure. The, so so um, I understand why what happened with Kirk, Kirk Cousins happened the way that it did because Kirk Cousins was um, a fourth round pick and was the team success wasn't great, which isn't all isn't all on him. He was up and down in kind of bad and important moments, uh, and that was kind of the book on Kirk Cousins. So I understand how they end up there with him. And comparing him to Dak Prescott, I don't think is fair necessarily because they Dak Prescott is would appear to me that his career up in this point, especially the first four years of his career, Kirk Cousins was on the bench for the first couple years of his career. Dak Prescott, was head and shoulders above him, and has uh, solidified himself as a franchise quarterback, which. Her cousins, I think you could argue, hey, so um that aside, I do think that the argument you just laid out makes more sense, and I would respect that because it is a novel way to approach the n f l and it is logical, like it sounds there's sound logic behind it. I don't got the guts to do something like that <laughs> um the team that if anybody should have done it would have been the Rams mm-hmm. with Jared Goff. Like mm-hmm. it would appear to me that Jared Goff was a product of if anybody, and I don't not, I don't mean to take anything away from Jared golf. He's has plenty of talents, but he was a product of the infrastructure more so than Dak Prescott, given how many different ways Dak has found to succeed and Dak's. um, abilities in big time moments while he doesn't win every big time moment he's he's kind of stepped up in clutch situations time after time uh so it seems to me that he's different and so that's i mean i'll leave it there like i would ex- i would respect that more than anything else that i've heard is that seems like a a strategy that no one else is trying that is based on some logic it's risky i i wouldn't have the guts to do it but I guess, Jerry Jones, when you own the team, you could try some risky stuff.
0: I want to point out, by the way, that uh, when you were saying, I don't want to take anything away from Jared Goff, I was cringing for <laughs> what was going to come next. If you ever say, I don't want to take anything away from you, Bill, I'm going to I'm gonna run out of the room to not hear your <laughs> response. It's gonna, the, the next thing you say is going to be so painful uh, and so grateful.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, but I, I thought it. it was a nice little cushion in the front. Uh, that's, that's professional. Jared Goff right I've been working with Stephen A. It's, he always leads off with, uh, that's that's my brother, and I love him. However, but, <laughs> he's trash. trash.
0: But, I mean, there's like there's a valid argument to be had there, though, right? Like, right. pretty easy to make a case, Jared Goff, who we saw as a disaster before Sean McVay got there with bad weapons, with a bad offensive line. Who knows? Maybe he would have got better with Jeff Fisher, but the guy who was barely playable turned into a by the numbers, a top ten, top twelve quarterback. Carson Wentz, a guy who was pretty bad as a rookie, you know, showed some flash to here and there, had a great second season, has not been on Dax level the past couple of years, um, you know, got a a significant extension. There was nobody, not a single person who was critical of those moves when they were made. I mean um, I guess
1: Carson Wentz is the best example. I mean even Jared Goff is Carson Wentz is the best example because we saw them do it with someone who no one would say is uh kind of a top 10 quarterback and nick Foles. so you saw that experience if a team was going to do it it wouldn't be the cowboys it would be the rams or even the eagles as as good as we all believe carson wentz has the ability to be we saw them build the roster that won the most important games of the year without that quarterback
0: yeah pretty comfortably um you know, and won them in, won them with a great offense. I mean, they scored a ton of points in those two games. It wasn't like they won, you know, 10 to three. They, they won because Nick Foles was dealing as a quarterback. And so it, it's weird that, you know, we sort of have that conversation about Dak Prescott, where it's, oh, an adult could step in and he would be just as good, which I don't believe is true, when we've seen that that with Carson Wentz. And that, that has not precluded Carson Wentz from getting paid quite comfortably. Um we have seen the arguments. The only about difference
1: oh. is, is is the position in draft. That's the only difference between those quarterbacks. Is mm. one was drafted a couple were drafted high and one was drafted late. That's it. Mm. Moving on.
0: I, that's it. Moving on. Um, let me ask you a different question. Are Are you okay. now going to take a Dak Prescott vacation where you refuse to say his name for the next month?
1: I would like that. I I didn't know that was a possibility. Do you are you trying to get me fired? Is this a trap? Is this a trick? What's going on? You know, on here? you
0: know I'm coming for that that first take <laughs> senior correspondence spot. You're,
1: you're trying to you're trying to get my first take spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more than happy to not talk about Dak. However, people seem to like hearing about the Cowboys, or at least the producers of all these shows believe that to be the case, so I'm sure Dak's gonna come up again. Mm-hmm. I got the first take tomorrow. I haven't gotten a rundown yet, but or uh, um when is this going up? Friday? I have first take today, is what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure Dak is going to be on run, a run down, run down in some capacity.
0: They didn't prank you by putting you on the Saturday episode of first take? Like, oh, go <laughs> to the studio.
1: You can um, only get me on that one
0: one time. One time. One time. <laughs> That's that Harvard education. So, uh-huh. no. no, Um. let me ask you this. And I, I put this up in my column, and, it, you know, it, it it's going to get a certain subset of the universe angry, unsurprisingly. But I think it's a fair question. Dak Prescott from the Cowboys, obviously he had some endorsement money, but Dak Prescott made four million dollars over the first four years of his career. And he was a very good, great at times, uh quarterback. Now those guys get a significant amount of money. I don't, you know, I I don't we can't quantify it. We can't say, oh, he should have made this much, but You know, some of the guys who were in his ballpark performance-wise, probably a little worse, were guys like Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, and he outplayed those guys, and those guys made north of $80 million, north of $90 million, approaching $100 million. Kirk Cousins made, I believe, $97 million over that time frame, and Dak, I think most people would say, is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. So, my question for you, can you think of an American who has been more underpaid over the last four years than Dak Prescott? Me? Dominique Foxworth.
1: Wow, of course. Like, did we just talk about how I'm doing all these damn shows? I'm on all the time, making chicken salad every day, <laughs> and, and the the m's are not rolling in to my account. No, I I um read your article. I saw that. I also saw people on Twitter getting mad at you about it. But yeah, it's, uh, what did you estimate it as? He was like eighty nine million dollars underpaid. Like, if that's Something the like right that. number. I don't know who else out there deserves more. I don't think I'm as underpaid. I don't think I deserve eighty nine more million dollars than I get. Maybe eighty six,
0: mm-hmm. eighty
1: seven. But I would say Dak is more underpaid or has been more underpaid than me. So yeah, you're right. I'm I'm on your team. I'm trying to think. Well, are there other uh well LeBron's pretty underpaid.
0: <laughs> but LeBron gets a lot though.
1: He does. Uh, you're factoring in off the court, but I mean, for what he means to the sport, mm-hmm. I, I think he's underpaid. I think that he probably deserves at least a full salary cap, not a percentage of the salary cap. At the very least, LeBron James is is or has been the NBA for uh, many years now. He's, he's underpaid. There we go.
0: Mentioning LeBron probably, James.
1: Probably not as much as Dak, though. Yeah, probably not.
0: Mentioning LeBron James in a totally unrelated NFL discussion is
1: I'm good at this, man. classic, I'm so classic ESPN.
0: TV person. So,
1: um, I'm so ESPN.
0: What else do you have to say about the DAC deal? Um, do you, like, let me finish with this. Maybe I want to frame this the right way. What do you think DAC has to do this year to stop that conversation, where we don't have that conversation next year about does he deserve a contract? Not obviously, not 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 the me and you, but the, the right yeah, yeah. public right. perception.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that he the the people who don't think he deserves a contract. I'm not sure that he can do anything that will make them believe he deserves a contract. I guess win a Super Bowl maybe, and the people who think he deserves a contract are sane and reasonable people with two eyes and a functioning brain. Like that's I, I I don't think that there's anything he can do this year that would make them think that he doesn't deserve it. Like I feel like we are there's been so much evidence out there that people are in their um corners now. It's most it's an emotional thing more than it's a logical thing at this point. Because if if the logic hasn't led you to the conclusion that Dak deserves a long term deal, then then and, and maybe it's unfair. We're mischaracterizing whatever this other side of the debate is. Is I think they're the reasonable or the most reasonable people on that side, because all of them are unreasonable. But the most reasonable people on that side would say he deserves a long-term deal, just not uh, as much as Carson Wentz or just as, not as much as Jared Goff or Russell Wilson. They would say that he deserves a smaller deal than them, I guess. Because no one's stupid enough to think that he doesn't deserve a long-term deal, right?
0: Mm, uh, okay those are
1: people that you don't we don't waste our time with those people Bill. we can't we can't like that's they're just imbeciles like what are we doing you can't waste our time with them
0: some of those people are probably listeners to the wildly appreciated bill barnwell show though I, i don't want to disparage them
1: i'm sorry well that bill barnwell is not disparaging them you don't have you can pretend to disagree with me and defend The intelligence of anyone who thinks that that Dak Prescott does not deserve a long-term deal. So, again, we're not saying that he doesn't deserve Patrick Mahomes' money. You think there are people that are listening to this show who who, who think that he does not deserve a long-term contract in any capacity?
0: Okay. Let me ask you this, then we're going to move on. You have two options. You're Jerry Jones, suddenly. You can give Uh Dak Prescott the Patrick Mahomes deal or you can give him no contract and let him leave as an unrestricted free agent. Which one are you choosing?
1: Patrick Mahomes deal. I think you're right. I don't, I don't have to think about it. Like it's, it's fairly easy. And yeah, I mean, the, the, th- one of the things that I think goes unnoticed about the franchise tag versus the long-term deal is the franchise tag is not meant for somebody that you plan on signing to a long-term deal eventually. Because the franchise tag is – it's handcuffs for the player, but it also makes it more difficult to manage your cap. Like signing a long-term deal uh, allows you to pick and choose how big your cap is, hit's going to be in certain mm-hmm. years. So, like, if you're building a roster, like, I'd rather overpay for a player. I mean, within reason, I'd rather overpay for a player that I want to have around on a long-term deal than hit them with the franchise tag and just get clubbed for 30-something million or whatever the franchise tag is mm-hmm. for one year and no long-term commitment from that player. That, to me, seems like poor roster management Unless like Matthew Judon got franchise tagged uh, today also and didn't sign a long-term deal. Like, that means pretty clearly to me that the Ravens believe that they can find some production elsewhere going forward. They're mm-hmm. just trying to rent them for, for one last year. And that is how you properly use the franchise tag. You don't use it on guys that you want to keep.
0: Well, Transitioning here to one player who got a long-term extension off of a franchise tag yesterday was Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. Right. Uh, he signed a four-year deal, I believe $50 million for Derrick Henry. So big money for a guy who has been extremely productive since the Tennessee Titans gave him the starting job. He has led the league in rushing yards since then. Obviously, hugely important in the playoff run Tennessee made last offseason, a big part of their offense, a big part of their identity, but he's a running back. And so Pay that as, man. Pay as, as someone who uses analytics, I have to say this is a terrible deal. That's my job. It's in my contract. I would be shunned if I did not, did not suggest that Derrick Henry was vastly overpaid and a scrub and easily replaceable. Um, but you know, I, 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 obviously, is that conversation about oh well, you know, you can't pay running backs and paying Derrick Henry, even if it's just two franchise tags, which uh, it is basically two franchise tags for him up front. Right. Uh, um, so I mean, we're going to talk about I think the bigger picture, but just in terms of oh, the okay, actual, okay, fo- okay, okay, okay. we'll get to that in a second. But just in terms of the football thing here, um, I mean, do you think this is a good idea for Tennessee to lock up Derrick Henry on a four-year deal? Yes. Can you be more specific, please?
1: Um, I mean, you, you made the case already. It's, he is the focal point on, of their offense. He is the reason why they had any success last year. Like, he is the focal point, the catalyst, the, the fulcrum, the centerpiece, the nucleus. I don't know how uh, any other ways I can say this for people to understand that he is the core of that offense and he is a unique player that I don't think they could easily find a replacement for uh, elsewhere. And you said this in the setup it's what they're guaranteeing him is what only about two million over what two franchise tags are like it's not about yeah. So it's not even that cumbersome of a contract it seems to me that they are making the right decision in this situation, given the situation that they're in.
0: But he's a running But buddy. what? He's a running
1: back. <laughs> See, geez, I don't care. See, I, I said this, You brought a first take. I said this a while ago when I was on with Max Kellerman, is that absolutes are for dumb people and children. And <laughs> because, because you cannot trust them to make a decision based on unique evidence. So you're like, hey, kid, when the red hand is blinking, do not cross the street. I walk all the time because I'm not stupid and I'm not a child because I look left and I look right and there are no cars coming, so I go ahead and cross the street. But if it was a child, I would say, hey, never, ever, ever, ever do anything like that. It is too dangerous. But I agree, and I have become... Respected by a lot of the football nerd analytic community because I'm a, a former football player who happens to really enjoy making complicated Excel spreadsheets and figuring out what it tells me, and I trust them. But this one argument, I understand the, the absolute that they put out there, and the point of that absolute is to protect dumb people and any other children who may be GMs of football teams. It's, you get in certain situations and you have to adapt to the situation. And in this situation, the Texans did the absolute right thing with this player who is uniquely talented and is uniquely important to them. They locked them up for two years, pretty much. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine. They're not even out of that much money because running back salaries don't even grow that fast. It's like they're paying him what you would have paid a running back in like 2010 to be the best player of the team. So I don't understand, Bill. You're going to, you're going to make me, I guess you're, I trust you. You're smart. So I'm looking forward to hear how you explain to me that this was a bad deal for the Texans.
0: You know what I'm going to say? You know what What? I'm going to say? Everybody, everyone loves to say, Oh yeah, we understand. Don't pay running backs. We get it. But this is the exception. Todd Gurley is the heart of the franchise. He's the exception. You got to pay him the first chance you get. Oh man. Uh who else comes to mind? Le'Veon Bell. He's a wide receiver and a running back. You got to pay him. He's a transcendent running back. Going to transform your offense. And he's averaging 3.2 yards per carry with the Jets. Who else? Who I mean who else is out there? I mean it's it's You know, oh, oh, you got to draft Leonard for now with the fourth overall pick. He is the next Adrian Peterson. He's a transcendent running back. You need him to, you know, keep Blake Bortles going with this Jaguars offense. It's just, you know, I I think every time a really good back comes up for a contract, we sit here and say, oh, those other backs, yeah, yeah, don't pay them. That makes sense. This guy is the exception to the rule. You got to pay this guy because he's unique, he's valuable, he's special. And the same thing is true for Christian McCaffrey. You know, we made the same arguments for him, and, you know, it's it's – Time after time, two years later, we're sitting here saying, hey, that guy wasn't the exception. That guy wasn't so uh, anything different.
1: They they got out of the, of the girly deal. They, I think it's impossible to argue that somehow the girly deal set back their franchise. And it seems to be the case, the, the same thing is true for this deal. And you know contracts better than me or anybody else, but it would appear to me that if they've only guaranteed him what two years of franchising uh, would get him that they could get out of this deal after um next year, so like they've committed to him for two years, that to me does not seem like a bad idea Like it's not they end for a price that is not crazy so the other option is, is I guess to franchise him back to back franchise him, and then you would save two million dollars and you would maintain even more flexibility but this is not a video game. There are emotional impacts and um, psychological impacts. Uh, and I think two $2 million is worth that to keep the happiest or keep the best player on your team, the most important player, on your team happy and send a message to the rest of the team that uh, that matters. So like if this were something that I thought you couldn't bounce bounce back from, I'd be on board with you no matter how good the running back is or how unique you think he is, it's it's too easy to find a replacement in that position and they are too injury prone and they fall off the cliff, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, was it $25 million guaranteed? Like that they, they you can, wasn't um Tony Romo st- still on the Cowboys uh, he was, dead yeah. money list, like just a couple of years ago, like mm-hmm. you can, it, it, it it's not that onerous uh, situation. So I think all things considered committing to uh derrick henry for two more years is is not going to set your franchise back especially when he's as good as important as he is you've
0: been you've been on national television too long you think that argument's going to work on me the oh we gotta it's it's not a video game we gotta keep the locker room <laughs> and the team happy you think that's gonna work on me you don't think i have counterexamples to that come on Are
1: you i whether you have counterexamples examples or, or not doesn't i mean how, okay, what let me ask difference you this? does it make let me okay. ask you this
0: Do you think that the Tennessee locker room is happy that Derrick Henry got paid and they don't care about Jack Conklin, who was the guy opening holster at Henry and he left for a massive deal with Cleveland. He left because they paid Derrick Henry. Logan Ryan. He got paid too, too, but he didn't get paid by them. They're, they're they're a worse team because why not let someone else pay Derrick Henry? If that's the argument.
1: That's fine. I will explain to you my argument. I do not believe that the people on that team care necessarily like they're going to show up and work harder because Derrick Henry got paid. I do, however, believe that the most important players on your team do have a disproportionate impact on the team culture. And by culture, I'm talking about like what you the decisions you make when you are not on the field. I don't just mean like uh, the stuff that people say, like we got to win in culture. We work extra hard i do believe that if you feel happy about the place that you work and the people for whom you work that when you are faced with decisions like hey what am i going to do on this friday night am i going to study extra film or am i going to uh, i don't know have a cheeseburger i do believe that when you are in a better place you make those decisions i also believe that whether you can control it or not how you feel about your employer like bleeds out and how you behave in the locker room and when you are a team leader and the most important person on the team People around you will see that and will react to that. Those are things that cannot be um, calculated on a spreadsheet. I hate saying that because I love spreadsheets, but I do think that it's worth it in this case. I wouldn't say you overpay for a guy tens of millions of dollars for that particular impact, but I think in this situation it makes sense to be. So let me ask you a question. Since you asked me a question, here's my question for you: What do you, do you think that Derrick Henry was going to play this year for the for the Titans? If not, if they didn't sign him to a long-term deal, yes, I do. Okay, do you? Where, where? Yes, absolutely, do. I don't think he's going to hold out. Where would you place the probability that he would play for the Titans again next year on another franchise tag? I
0: seventy-five percent.
1: Okay, so then what are we arguing about? They just all they did was. Make it a hundred percent. To me, it makes no sense. What are we arguing about? They're they the argument. Gave, they gave him two franchise tax. The, so there's okay. Well, then I can win this argument right now. Would you? You would say there is never one hundred percent certainty. There is never any circumstance, and I think this one that we just looked at is like it doesn't get better than this. So I guess this answers the question. This is the best circumstance to make an argument for signing a running back to a long-term deal. If the deal looks like that, the running back is who he is. So you think that just hard and fast, never, never assign a running back to a long-term deal, no matter what, or a long-term second contract, no matter what.
0: As a child, I prefer absolutes. <laughs> Cause I think, because I think as uh. as humans, we are inclined to think that the example we are closest to is the exception, even if it's not reality. We, you know, if you go to a blackjack That's table, fair. if you go to a blackjack table or a roulette table, and, you know, the last five uh, hands were red, for some reason you assume it's going to be black, even though we know they're not related and right. there's nothing to do with the prior things. We just assume that, okay, well, this, this one example is different. Um,
1: right. You know, the difference I, here, though, is blackjack and roulette are like pure chance, whereas football involves people. And I think that you are underappreciating the interpersonal dynamics of uh, football. That's all, that's that's all I'm throwing I, out there. And that's I think what I'm that going to ask worth... you. No, all right. Right. Let, me I, let me ask you. You
0: are it. a, you are a, a former NFL cornerback. Hmm? You were very good at your job. You hey. were not, you were not as good as champ Bailey. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Now, uh, the Champ Bailey was traded, Clinton Portis, a running back who was a very good running back. Right. I'm, I'm not here to disparage Clinton Portis. What did you say earlier? Mm-hmm. What did you say earlier about uh, Jared Goff? Uh,
1: I don't want to take anything away from
0: him. I don't want to take anything away from Clinton Portis. Great guy. <laughs> uh, you know, great, great, great NFL career. Excellent Eastern Motors commercial. <laughs> I have no, nothing to say negative about Clinton Portis, but Champ good. Bailey is the more productive player. Um, right. We are sitting here with Tennessee right now. We're looking at Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Who signed? And you made the point that uh, that he is an important player to that team, important to the culture, and I agree. I brought up Jack Conklin as an example. I'm going to bring up Logan Ryan as a second example, a leader on that defense, a guy who had a pick six of Tom Brady to seal a playoff game last year. A guy who was a very productive player last year, but because of the market, very similar to Derrick Henry, the market for cornerbacks on you know 30 and older is not very good. He doesn't have a contract right now. So right. why are we making this argument for running backs? They say, oh, well, you got to sign them because it's going to make the team feel better. It's going to improve the culture. It's going to get those people not going to eat hamburgers after practice. <laughs> why, why is that true for Derrick Henry right. and not true for Logan Ryan, who was a really significant player who just doesn't happen to play a position where he has the football right. in his hands or times a year?
1: Right. It could be true for them also. And maybe they are making a mistake by letting them go. But the go. financial commitment yeah, no, it, it might be true, but the financial commitment for uh, the price that you are paying for um, Derrick Henry in this place, we both agree, is a premium of $2 million over what they will be paying him otherwise. That's not true for Conklin or Ryan. Like, those guys were likely to make $0 from the, the, the Titans, and then you're going to offer them a long-term deal that commits you to them. And that's going to be worth tens of millions of dollars. We both agreed that Derrick Henry is going to be their running back this year and next year either way. So that's the argument I'm making is that they were planning on keeping him. They were not planning to build around Logan Ryan or Conklin in the same way. Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. But I'm not making an argument that you can pass on uh, because you wouldn't make this argument either. Are you saying that they should just let Derrick Henry walk because you can replace him anywhere else? Like don't even franchise him, just get rid of him. Like you're not making I mean, that argument. So I mean so like I feel like it's a it's a it's kind of false equivalent to trying to make the Logan Ryan Conklin argument to um Derrick Henry.
0: If you're asking me whether I would have preferred to give Derrick Henry this contract or let him walk for nothing, I would have let him walk for nothing.
1: So would you let him walk for nothing and not franchise him?
0: Yeah. I, I, I would pick up my comp pick. I would draft a running right. back and I would call it a day. And I'd say, you know what, Derek Henry, if you can go, you know, be great somewhere else, that's awesome. Good for you. I hope you get paid. I'm going to be rooting for you. Hope you sign somewhere outside of the division. I don't want my guys tackling you, but right. history tells me that, you know, that there's probably a 10% chance of the second contract working out where we're getting good value. Forward. Oh no, two no, no. I didn't say second day. contract. I
1: said I said franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I that. Just, Just one year, I, I one. you would let him you let him walk this year. So if you were the GM down there, you'd be like, I'm good, Derrick Henry, we'll find it elsewhere. Yeah. We're not gonna franchise you, we're not gonna extend you long term or nothing. Yeah, I, that is called discipline, my friend. And <laughs> I'm impressed and proud that you have that type of discipline. And it's also you're not no. very flexible so I mean. <laughs> <A little childish. laughs> Sometimes you gotta bend a little bit no I, I mean i think that yeah a little childish i do think that your logic is sound it's hard for me to to uh to break your logic with the except for the fact that because i think you're right if we're talking about like game theory type stuff which i guess is the only way you could have to assume that people are like rational actors but they aren't hard or roulette balls. So, I mean, I think that's, which could mean that uh, that you're better off just playing the odds, which I guess is what you're doing. But I guess when you fully construct a team around a particular player, to me, Mm -hmm. it seems like when you have that window to win, and I guess that's the difference between like going all in at a certain moment or just trying to play the long game. And I think this is the difference. Here we go. I found it. I finally cornered you.
0: Okay.
1: You are thinking like an owner of a team which maybe that is your destiny no but (laughs) but if you're a player a coach a general manager you recognize your windows and if you have a 50-year window to win a championship I think maybe your strategy is the best one if you have a three or four year window to make some noise I love those kind of cliches then (laughs) then you understand that right now it is worth it to maximize the the opportunity that your team has so like from your roulette example you're right it's red 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 that doesn't that that has no bearing on whether the next one is going to be black or not, but you get four reds in a row and you ain't got a job. So like, you kind of feel like, what can I do to help my odds? Like we were good last year. We made a run and maybe, I not maybe, I would argue that they, their, uh, the way their season ended was suggested that a team was better than they actually are. So maybe this is part of that where you get all, you're too close to it. You get all worked up and then you actually think that you, Uh, have a chance of winning a championship. And that propels you to make a decision that could cripple your franchise going forward. But if you're the coach or you're your GM, or you're on that team, you ain't going to be there. (laughs) And paying Derrick Henry gives you the best chance to win right now.
0: That's where we disagree. Because it's not about paying Derrick Henry, you know, $25.5 million over the next two years or Investing in a
1: franchise tag at this
0: point. Let's just go franchise we tag.
1: Moved to argue, we've moved okay. the argument because I found something that is even more of a winning argument for me.
0: Okay, so $10.3 million. My point is not that you're better off just saving that money and investing it and having a hole at running back or, you know, starting some guy off the street. My point is that history at least seems to suggest you're better off taking that $10 million, investing $1 million in a running back and using the other 9 million dollars to supplement somewhere else on your roster. That gives you a better chance of winning than spending that 10 million dollars on the running back. So, I don't agree with that because even if you are operating under the idea that oh, we have that short window, that 3 or 4 year window, we got to win now. Your best chances of winning now but, are without or not spending money on running backs.
1: And again, this is this is the this is the theoretical versus the practical because this is not a again, it's not a video game where you can buy upgrades For your other players just because you have money available does not mean that the players are also available like you can't go to uh, one of your your linebackers and buy them 10 more speed points like just because you have $4 million doesn't mean that you're going to find that you can add $4 million worth of value in the future so in. The practical example, like then you have to find who are these free agents that you would have brought in, that you would have brought in that would have added more value than Derrick Henry adds at ten million dollars, and I don't know that you can find that. I think in theory well, you're probably right.
0: I can think of one uh, quite clearly. It's the, a gentleman by the name of Jack Conklin, a the guy they let leave who was a top ten pick, who was a I believe a Pro Bowl right tackle last year where they let him leave. They signed Derrick. They signed. Uh, Dennis Kelly, who was the backup to an extension. And then they used a second round, maybe first round pick, second round pick. They used a high pick on a tackle. They used their first round pick on Isaiah Wilson, their a tackle out of Georgia. Now, what I'm saying, the argument I'm making here is that in 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 reality, not just in theory, I think Tennessee would have been better off paying Jack Conklin what he got from the Browns, which is about, I think, $12 million a year. Um, and using, instead, their first-round pick to draft Bly Edwards-Hilaire or J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor or any of the other backs. I would rather invest that money in a tackle than I would in a running back because, to me, tackle is a more important position than running back, and that's maybe my mistake. But I think that is the practical example of how I think Tennessee should have invested their money this offseason. Conklin
1: is the right tackle, right? Yes, Okay, right. well, I mean, I, I at this point I've reached a point where you are talking about specifics that I do not study to the degree that you have. So while I won this argument, I think that you have um, you have specifics that make that may suggest to the listeners that you are in the lead. But I know for a fact that I won it. I dunked on you like several times on your own podcast, and that's that. So boom, I'm looking at how much cap space they have, and it seems like they. Yeah, he probably could have signed somebody else if they wanted to.
0: Admit it. But anyway. Every time we hang out, do you at least think once, man, I I could just dunk on Bill right now, and that would be (laughs) – there would be no alternative.
1: No, I enjoy talking to you because you are not a dummy, and uh, despite the fact that you live by absolutes, you are – is there anything that you are not absolute on? Is there something that I could be like, hey, Bill – Given the circumstances, like I feel like murder, or not murder, killing people, pretty bad. But there are circumstances, Bill, where He's, you might have to defend yourself.
0: So are you asking whether I'd rather pay a running back or murder somebody? Obviously. That's I, the question. I mean, it depends on how good the running back is. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's the other conversation. We have to get well, that's how,
1: that's how I know. That's how I know you're not a football guy, Bill. Football guy goes goes for goes for the murder every time, though.
0: You and you and Josh Booty both think I'm not football guys.
1: <laughs> man, Josh Booty. Now that's a football guy. Booty knows football. Classic. Booty knows ball, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're done. Dominique Foxworth, plug plug your various television appearances, please. No. No! I'm, I'm
1: just, I don't want to. I mean, turn on TV. You might see me. If you don't, you don't.
0: You know what's the most frustrating thing is that like, <laughs> I, I text you. Like like in my in my apartment building in Washington D.C. where we both live, uh, ESPN is always playing on the TV. And I would say at least twice a week, I'm walking out of my <laughs> apartment to to walk my dog or go to go to Trader Joe's or or you know just go outside and you're on the TV and it just it just in my face just how much more successful <laughs> you are
1: not quite no not quite are you wearing your mask when you're walking out yes of course i'm wearing
0: a mask i'm not a right. savage. Okay. Not, not a heathen come on
1: <laughs>
0: just making sure
1: yeah i well that'll all change i told you when the sports start again uh my my phone's gonna stop ringing and then i'm gonna start calling you begging to get back on your podcast
0: well happy that we could get you on the podcast at your busiest <laughs> moment but it's always a pleasure <laughs> talk to you David. Right, Thanks buddy. for coming on anytime but all right, well, Dominique Foxworth did not want to plug his various television appearances, but if you want to watch Dominique, you can do that on First Take quite frequently. He is also on Get Up. Excellent talk, from Dominique, on those shows. And, of course, I always appreciate having him on the Bill Barnwell Show. And we are going to come back next week talking about more football with a guest of some nature. I haven't planned it yet, but more football on the way. So thanks so much for listening and more next week.